0: On today's episode, we have Dr. Stephanie Liu, who is a family physician an assistant clinical professor at the University of Alberta and a mom of two. She graduated from Columbia University with a master's of science and completed her doctor of medicine at the University of Alberta. Dr. Liu is the creator of an evidence-based parenting blog called Life of Doctor Mom, and I love it. And her goal is to provide parents with accessible and credible medical information. She is also the founder. Of By Dr. Mom, a company that creates functional and educational children's products. Dr. Lou, thank you so much for being here today. Hi,
1: Dr. Kim. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm excited Mm to chat about coughs.
0: Yes, I know. Well, you know, as you know, with cold and flu season, among us. It's right around the corner. Maybe it's in some places it's kind of already started. I feel like there's that weird time between summer ending and fall beginning and, you know, things, kids going back to school and germs being passed around and whatnot. I really wanted to have a conversation with you today um, about cold and flu season and about fevers and coughs. Um, and, you know, again, COVID is obviously still very prominent. So there's lots of stuff out there. And I feel like a cough is not just a cough these days, and a fever is not just a fever, and anytime a child has a symptom, you know, they stay home, and I really want to talk to you today about educating Parents, on you know what symptoms to look for, and you know, etc. So, um, so thanks for being here today. Let's go ahead and get, dig in because I know there's parents out there that they're probably sitting here very excited, waiting to hear some of your advice um, and information on um, you know how they can be preventative of getting sick this cold and flu season, and also what to do if their child does get sick. Yes. So, let's see. Can you tell us? A little bit about fevers. Let's start with fevers first. Um, tell us about fevers and what do they mean? If a child gets a fever, what does that actually mean? And is it is it a bad
1: thing or could it actually be a helpful sign of something else? Yeah, so that's a great question. So fevers actually... Um, a sign that our body is fighting an infection or an illness. And so fever in itself isn't bad. It's just an indication that our body is fighting something. And it's interesting because when I was going through uh, my residency training, I had an eMERGE doc tell a family, you know what, think of fever as a friend. And that's because it's an indicator that, you know what, your body is working hard to fight this illness. Um, so I don't worry alone if a child has a fever, but I sometimes worry if they have a fever and other symptoms. So lethargy so the child is just really tired not themselves not playing um, not eating and drinking and as a result you know dehydration that's really concerning or if this fever is persisting so if it's more than 3 to 5 days and the child is still unwell that's when i start to worry
0: yeah those are great tips because i feel like sometimes the second as a mom the second my child gets a fever i think oh no what's wrong you know and what's coming so when when should a parent um you know, as I worry about, I don't want parents to worry about their child's fever. Like you said, look at the fever as a friend and that it's a sign of maybe something else or to look for other symptoms. Um, But what, what is kind of a normal fever? Um, If it's just a fever and there's really no other symptoms, um, is there a certain number that parents should look for Um, if it's a pretty high fever or low fever? um, Can you tell us a little more about that?
1: Yeah. So for, in my practice, I don't necessarily look at the numbers as much. I look at how the, I look at the child overall, how they're doing. So if they have a, a temperature over 38, but they're still, so I guess we're in Canada and the U.S. So over 30 degrees Celsius in Canada, okay. but in the U.S. over 100.4. Okay. Um, I don't worry as much about the numbers. I worry more about how the child looks. If they have a fever, but they're still eating and drinking, they're still moving around, they're still playing. Um, they're not too irritable. I, I'm not as worried. Yeah, that's great. And actually, my son—I was telling you earlier that my son is
0: um, has been sick this week, and he actually hasn't had a fever, um, you know. But he's had some other symptoms, and one of the things that his doctor was asking me was all those other things, you know. How is how is he eating? How is he playing? And you know, asking those other follow up questions. So that's great to not just focus just on the fever, but as you mentioned, you know, focus on um, you know how the child is acting, how they're eating, um, and, and then those other things too, because those definitely do come into play. So I thank you. <laughs> I love that you, that you mentioned that. So what are some remedies for when a child does ha- have a fever? Is there a way to bring the fever down or um, over-the-counter uh, fever reducer or what would you normally suggest?
1: Yeah, so things like uh, acetaminophen also known as Tylenol or ibuprofen um, those are medications that can be used to kind of help with symptoms and often will also bring down the, bring down the fever temperature too. But once again, we're not treating the temperature, the specific number, because you know what, there's some kids with a high fever that actually aren't that sick. And some kids with a low grade fever that are actually very sick. Mm. Um, But we're treating the symptoms uh, that could be associated with fever. Uh, So pain medications uh, such as Tylenol or Advil, um, hydration is super important. And one way that, that I find when my kids are sick, one thing that helps, and there's some evidence for this is a great rehydration um, t- formula is dilute apple juice. So I don't give my kids juice normally, but when they're sick, I just dilute some, some normal apple juice um, and give it to the kids and they love juice. So they're yeah. drinking it like crazy. And they're also getting hydrated as a result nice. of that.
0: Yes, I love that. I love that. And actually, if there's anything that has maybe some electrolytes in it, would you recommend something like that? I know Gatorade has lots of sugar in it, but it also has lots of electrolytes. And that's something that I know my kids when they're sick to hydrate them, they'll drink that sometimes. And I, I dilute it too. I have to admit.
1: <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do as well. So yes, things like Pedialyte, those are specific formulations with the right amounts of salts and sugar. And actually what's interesting, why I also like apple juice or juices to dilute is they also contain some salts and sugar in it too. That yeah. help with the rehydration.
0: That's great. Yeah, because I know, you know, you're a mom as well as am I. And like I said, usually, if my child speak for myself, you know, has a fever, that's you know, I, I immediately sometimes think, oh, no, what's wrong? You know, yeah. um, especially now with 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 covid, you know, and, you know, them saying that fever is, you know, one of the tall tale signs that you might have it. And, you know, everywhere we've gone the last year, they don't do it as much anymore, but they would take your temperature before you would go into a doctor's office or before yeah. you go to Disneyland or wherever it was. Um, you know, and if you didn't have a fever, you're allowed to to enter or to go in or you know have your appointment. Um, and then there's sometimes I've 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 known people that have told me at least that they have been positive for COVID, but they never had a fever. So I think there's yeah. just that that worry. You know, sometimes when when kids have that, so. Um, I really like that, you know, looking at fever as a friend. And I've gotten better at that myself. I have to admit that now when my child does get a fever, I don't worry immediately. I think, okay, let's watch for other things. And then, you know, possibly call the doctor. When would you recommend though, when a parent should actually call the doctor?
1: Yeah, so great question. So I would say, you know, if the fever is persisting beyond more than three to five days, parents know their kids really well. And this is one thing that I've learned as a parent, like. Parents, they just have this intuition if something is wrong. So if you have that intuition that something is wrong, please see your healthcare provider. If your baby is or young child is not peeing, if this, if your child is under six months and has a fever, I always think it's a good idea to check in with your healthcare provider. Um, under three months, especially, is almost a medical emergency if a child has a fever. Mm. And so under six months, I still like to see all babies if they have a fever. Um, and uh, if the child is just super lethargic, so what that means is if they're not playing, they're difficult to kind of get out of bed, that's when I start to worry.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's great for parents to know that. Like I said, we're going into cold and flu season, and it's just nice to know, you know, um, that we don't always have to worry as parents. I know as a as a therapist, you know, I, I work a lot with anxiety, and you know, when kids get sick, it, it is very anxiety provoking. As 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 a mom, you don't want to see your kids sick. It breaks your heart emotionally, and it also, you know, creates that anxiety of oh no, are they going to be okay, and what's wrong, and you know, it creates a lot of that as well. So um, I'm glad that you're kind of sharing um, that we don't always have to worry. Um, And I I like that because I think as parents, sometimes we end up taking too much on and worrying too much. And it's nice to know when we don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So let's change gears a little bit. And let's talk a little bit about coughs. Again, especially after COVID and cough being another big tall tale symptom that you may have in is again, but a cough doesn't mean you have COVID. (laughs) A cough may not even mean you have something else, you know, there's, there's lots of reason for cough. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about that. And, you know, talking about the different types of coughs and what parents should look for. So, could you tell us a little bit? I mean, I know there's, there's, you know, different coughs out there. There's like a wet, phlegmy cough, there's a dry cough, there's, you know, obviously a croup cough is very, you know, distinctive. But what should parents look for when their child um, starts a cough?
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. So I'll be honest, a cost actually spook me out too. When my kids are coughing. I always kind of worry. I'm like, did they swallow something? Are they choking on something? Mm-hmm. Um, my son is, he's just turning two and he still has that habit of putting things uh, in his mouth, like all the time. And it's really still stresses me out. So, yeah. The first thing is if you think that your child is coughing as a result of, you know, maybe swallowing something that they shouldn't have, that's the time that I would be really kind of worried. Another time is if they're coughing and they seem to be having some difficulty breathing, that's another time that I worry. Um if they are coughing and it's persisting, so it's not getting better, there's other scary associated symptoms with it, you know, lethargy, they're not eating or drinking and they're dehydrated, please see your healthcare provider. Um, and then there's also some, we kind of, ch- ch- you kind of were kind of mentioning this earlier, there's also some distinct coughs that could indicate what kind of specific illness your child may have. And one it's coming up right now is something called croup, and these, this cough is known as a barky cough. Yes. So it almost sounds like a, like a little puppy barking. Um, and this is coming up. This is croup season is coming up uh, now. So that's an indicator of a specific type of cough, this barky cough.
0: Yes. And I know that all too well. My my son has actually had croup twice um, when he was younger and he's four now. And actually he is going through some croup himself this week, actually. We just um, talked to his doctor on Wednesday because we were up all night on Tuesday and I distinctively heard the barking cough and we were able to treat it and he's doing much better now. But he, um, But he definitely, you know, is, is must be croup season, like you said, because he's, he's definitely going through that right now as we speak. So oh poor little guy. yeah, I know. And I, I actually didn't know this. Um, you know, what, what is an age group, um, of croup? Because when I told a few friends that he was going through this, they thought, Oh gosh, he's four. Like I thought only babies got croup, but is there, do older kids get croup or is it less common maybe, but maybe he has a pre, um, you know, dispose because he's had it before. Or can you tell us a little more about that? Yes. Yeah, so that's an awesome
1: question. So like, Kids between the ages of three months to five years old can get it. It typically, your friends are sort of right in that it is typically when they're a little bit younger because that's when their airways are a little bit smaller. Mm, Okay. Um, But definitely up to age of five years old, you can still get croup.
0: Yeah. Well, he, I hope this is the last time. He I hope it's five. the last year too. I know he turns five in a couple of months. So hopefully this is our last round because it's not easy. You know, it's, it's definitely yeah. not easy, especially when it gets worse during the nighttime. And that's when, you know, it's, things aren't open and it's in the middle of the night and it's dark and it's, it becomes scarier. So Um, Okay, so let's talk about some remedies, and I know I went through this this week too with some of the things that I I did, but I'd like to hear your expertise on some remedies for when a child has a cough. What can parents do to help relieve the coughing, especially if it is at nighttime when it gets worse when they're laying down, to relieve some of that?
1: Yeah, so one thing that's really important for all kids when they're not feeling well um, is... Hydration. So hydration is so important because, you know, so often it's not even the illness that, that is serious, but kids, as a result, when they don't feel good, they don't drink as much and they can get really dehydrated. So hydration is really important. Um, another thing that, that I find that helps is honey. So a little bit of honey and, and some water. I, it's quite soothing for, for kids. Okay. Um, for croup, I think that you mentioned you've done this for your child. So specifically for croup, one thing that really helps is when you go outside. Into the cold yeah. air, and that helps helps decrease some in inflammation in the airways.
0: Yes, and I, I did. <laughs> we were going a lot outside of the backyard um, a few nights ago. Um, you know, I just, I knew to do it from years ago. Like I said, when he'd had it, it wasn't my first time around. And um, and immediately it just, it changed, at least for him in his case, it changed everything. And it was so sweet because, you know, it's like two in the morning or something and we walk outside and it's it's drizzling a little bit. It was a little misty and our neighbor has a little waterfall in her backyard and it <laughs> he he was half asleep, but he we went outside and he was starting to breathe again and it was great and he said oh it's so beautiful out here (laughs) and even in the midst of feeling miserable and us being sleep deprived he just took the beauty of the the nighttime air and you know how nice it felt to be out there and it was and and now when he just coughs a little bit even during the day he goes mom can we go outside and get some fresh air and because he just knows it'll you know like you said help Um, those airwaves Um, humidifiers um, cool mist
1: humidifiers would you recommend those as well yes humidifiers are great and I I actually like humidifiers in general so we live in Alberta and it's the climate here is quite dry and humidifiers in general also good for our nasal mucosa too Um, when the fall winter season happens for for us here um, my kids often get nosebleeds so humidifiers are also good for that too
0: Oh, that's great. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. And it is pretty dry. I mean, even just, you know, in Southern California, it can get pretty dry down here too, you know? So um we, we usually keep them on. We usually have, we have, I think we have four, <laughs> we Wow. Have one, for, one for each bedroom in case we need it. Cause like you said, throughout the year, especially when we start having, having to use the heater um, at nighttime, it can get really, really dry. And uh, again, I don't think that's, you know, good for any of us. So Um, and then steam showers, would you say that that would work too? I know I did that a few times when my kids were younger, but does that, is that a, um, is that something that that actually works? You, I haven't looked
1: specifically at, at evidence for that, but I would say when my kids are sick that we do it. Um, I find that it helps and it's actually kind of just a soothing activity. You know, warm baths, things like that are actually pretty relaxing and soothing when, when the little one's not feeling well. Right. Um, other things that, that do help with symptoms too are medications like Tylenol, um, and, and, uh, Advil Ibuprofen. Um, those are also can help with relieving some of the symptoms too. Great. Perfect.
0: Oh, thank you. Anything you can recommend for congestion? Again, I don't know if kids get um, those types of uh, medications. I know there's children's Benadryl and things like that, but something to, to break up some of the mucus and things like that if they're having it. Is there anything that you'd suggest or anything that kids can take after a certain
1: age? Yeah. So, so one thing that we do for our kids is we do those, have you seen those little saline drops? Oh yes. They are great for really getting out the, and you know what, for me initially as a parent, I was like, it seems counterintuitive because if they're congested, why in the world are we putting fluid in their nose? But it actually helps loosen things up and break it up. Okay. Okay. I like that. I, 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 gosh, it's so funny because when I, when my
0: kids were much younger, I would think of those things, but now that they're older, i kind of put those things out the door and think, okay, well, now what do I do now that they're older? I just automatically think, oh, I should get some sort of you know, over-the-counter, um, you know, medication to help bring that down. But the saline is actually really great. And it's a very, you know, more natural way to, like you said, break that up. I'm going to go get some <laughs> for the good, season. Good. Up so I have some for the season. That's great. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about prevention and how to possibly try to prevent. I mean, kids, you know, kids are going to get sick. They're building their immunity systems. I get that of their immune systems. Um, but what are some ways that, you know, we can make their immune systems maybe possibly stronger this winter season and ways that we can prevent them from, you know, um, getting sick if if that's even possible?
1: Yeah. So that's a great, great question. Uh, this is something that, you know, I worry as my kids are starting school now my son preschool, my daughter kindergarten. Um, one of the best ways to prevent Kids getting sick is, and I guess it's kind of a time old, like everyone's kind of heard about this, but it's more important now than ever, especially with COVID 19, is hand washing and hand sanitizing. Um, It's hard when I'm not with them. When I'm with them, I can know that they're doing a good job because I'm, I'm, all over them. But now what I'm trying to teach them is kind of independence. And one way that I've done that is, you know, as my daughter's starting to approach school time, what I've give done is I've let her choose her own hand sanitizer, something that she really likes the smell of. We've decorated it how she likes with the favorite stickers and things like that. And now she's responsible for hand sanitizing. And I found that once I kind of put it into her hands and explained how important it is to keep our hands clean, she's been doing it so regularly and I'm so happy for that. So hand sanitizing is a really great way. Um, I know areas like throughout North America are a little bit different, but right now um, in our schools where we live, we're still masking, which has been really helpful um, to prevent the spread of, of kind of respiratory illnesses uh, another thing that I recommend is always making sure that we have adequate amounts of vitamin D. Um, vitamin D you get from the sun, but it's recommended um, to, for kids to have vitamin D supplementation. So I give vitamin D to my kids. And in general, I think it's just good to have a well-balanced you know, diet with less processed foods. Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, I, I 100% agree with you on that, and I try and do that as much as possible. There's sometimes they they see friends bring things in their lunches, and they want them, <laughs> so yeah. it's a special treat. You know, we get them sometimes, but um, but I do try to have as much whole foods as possible. Again, all that hydration, you know, lots of water. Um, I love the idea about having your child pick out their own hand sanitizer and then decorating it to really make it their own and have that ownership and that independence. I absolutely love it. And, and, and down here in Southern California, too, at least my kids are about the same age as yours. I have, I have one in preschool and one in, who just started second grade, so just a little bit older. And um, they're both wearing masks in school. So that's, you know, great because I know that's definitely helping them. Okay. And you also have two books, Georgie Shark and COVID-19 and Coco's
1: Bad Day. Can you tell us more about those? Yeah. So, you know, I never thought that I'd be into writing books. Um, but once I had my kids, I realized how amazing books are to be being able to explain these complex topics to little kids. Um, so actually, the first book I ever wrote was called Maddie. My daughter's name is Maddie. Um, Maddie Monkey Learns Anatomy because, you know, my husband's um, actually an ear, nose and throat surgeon. And I don't know if it's us giving her like this, this kind of it- drive for like learning anatomy but since she was two years old she's always been learning interested in learning about the human body so that was the first book i wrote maddie's monkey learns anatomy and it's just basic anatomy and explains you know what is the function of the nose what's the function of the hands things like that and so she enjoyed it so much that you know during covid we were really struggling because my my kids are very um close to my parents. And it was really hard for both my son and my daughter not being able to see them. So that inspired the next book, Georgie Shark and COVID-19. And my son's name is George. So I felt like I wanted things to be equal since I wrote the book for my daughter. <laughs> and now I want the book for my son. And it's essentially explaining how, why masking is important, why hand washing is important, why social distancing, why we why we had to do that that period of time. Um, so that was really what inspired the book, The Kids. And I've been so, you know, fortunate to have so much support over the Georgie Shark book that it's, you know, considered an educational resource in the province of, uh, Canada where I live. So that was really, really exciting for me. Um, but the most recent book, um, I'm, this is something that I've just been, really interested in in doing, but I didn't really know how, um, I struggle. And, you know, I learned so much from you, Kim. I struggle sometimes with communicating with my kids. I struggle when they're having these like temper tantrums. I sometimes don't know what to do when they're having a rough day and I'm having a rough day. I often feel overwhelmed. Uh, So I actually collaborated with, them. childhood educator she has a master's uh she's an uh, elementary school teacher and also has a master's in education uh, specializing in mental health and literacy georgia miller and we wrote this book coco's bad day uh the, coco is our family puppy so it's mm-hmm. about a puppy named coco who's just having a rough day you know she's pushing puppies down slides like throwing her food not wanting to wear her sunscreen and so these are strategies uh that educators and healthcare professionals, along with strategies that me and Georgia have developed with our own kids um, to kind of counteract these really challenging situations. Wow. I love, I mean, I love all three of them to
0: be honest. They all sound amazing. I know you said you were going to send me some copies so I can share with my audience. Yes. Um, and I'll share that on social media, everyone, whoever's listening right now, if you, um, and we'll wear, I'll be sharing it too, and they can find a direct link on my, um, Instagram at some point, but, um, where can they find them? Are they on Amazon or where can they buy them if they want to look for them now?
1: Yeah. So they're all available. Coco's bad day. She's That's going to be up on Amazon next week. But all the other two books are on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And they're also available uh, directly through my website, bydrmom.com, B-Y-D-R-mom.com.
0: Perfect. Oh, that's amazing. Cause I think these books, I mean, we're, we're still obviously going through, through COVID you know, that isn't over yet. So, um, that's still a very relevant book. Um, and I can't wait to read these to my kids, but Coco's bad day. I feel like obviously I can, as a therapist can relate to the most of just, you know, having a bad day and, you know, I've noticed even myself this week, you know, with my son being sick, you know, being completely sleep deprived, and that hasn't helped my mood at all. So the littlest yeah. thing, you know, has been setting me off this week. And then that, you know, dominoes to my kids, and then they're kind of stressed, and they're in a bad mood. And it just, you know, um, you know, to, to, to learn those strategies is great. So I can't read, wait to read those. Um, you mentioned your website, um, which is great. Where else can people find you to find more information about you or to, to be in touch with you? Yeah, so
1: um outside of the books, my my main passion is really educating the public, um, be, so that you know families can make informed decisions about their own health and the health of their loved ones. So um I have an evidence-based parenting blog, uh Life of Doctor Mom um on Instagram, L-I-F-E of I guess D-R-Mom, um, and also a website, lifeofdoctormom Wow, well, thank you so much.
0: Um, I, I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, I think it's going to help so many parents this cold and flu season this year and for you know, years to come for people listening um, you know, later on. So um Dr. Lou, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this information um, with all these parents out there and with me. I always learn from you too. So um thank you for being here, and we can't I can't wait to be in touch. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Kim. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back for more. Make sure to subscribe to the Parentologist Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure to tell your friends. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.